the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, February 6, 2023. We got a lot for you today. We'll uh, talk to Brandon Weikert about uh, La Faire Balloon China. Uh, I think uh, Dennis Prager is going to join us, and we're going to talk to a professor at ASU who actually believes colleges and universities are for expanding your mind, not closing your mind. So we'll get to all of that, that in respect, uh, the latter two in respect to the talk that's uh, to take place Wednesday night at ASU with uh, Dennis Prager and uh, Robert Kiyosaki and others, that a group of faculty members, a majority at the Barrett School, have told the dean should not take place because white supremacist Dennis Prager has no place uh, being on ASU's campus. I think they are embarrassing themselves. But a few Monday thoughts. First, we will talk more about the Chinese surveillance balloon with Brandon. Initial thoughts, A, the narrative the Biden administration has put out that this happened three times during the Trump administration has one source. And of course, it's anonymous. And of course, immediately believed and reported by all the mainstream media to one, make the Trump administration look bad and two, make Biden look better. There's an uncritically reported aspect here. Each and every report says the balloons that crossed into U.S. territory during the Trump presidency were over American airspace for shorter periods of time. What does that mean? Does that mean for five minutes? Does that mean a second? Does it mean a day? How much shorter? In any event, it is all a cipher of a political point as Nobody knew about it in the Trump administration, not Donald Trump, not the CIA, not Homeland Security, not the National Security Council. It was all something discovered by the Biden team after Trump left office. It almost sounds as if it was discovered in the sense of it was invented. If China were spying on us this way under Donald Trump, you'd think an anti-China or China hawk administration like his would make use of that story. As the sheriff says in the movie Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, if it don't gel, it ain't aspic. We shall see if the Biden administration might have been lying to us. One other point. That Joe Biden said he told the military to shoot the balloon down in the middle of the week and they overruled him. I don't think that exactly portrays the toughness I think he thinks it does. Since when is it a show of strength to tell the world your military overruled you? Either because your idea was a bad one or that civilian control of the military has ended. And where was that overruling when Biden was pushing the precipitous withdrawal from Afghanistan that he called an extraordinary success, his words, that led to more loss of American life than the, inv than the evacuation of Saigon? And, of course, the turning over of American weapons and helicopters to a Taliban that is revanchist is what we took out in the first place in the late years of 2001 and early, year, early, month of, uh, early months of uh, 2002. Meanwhile, General Mark Milley, the chairman of our 
Defense Department's Joint Chief of Staff, said twice this weekend, China is not our enemy. He said it twice. Consider that. Second, Pete Buttigieg was asked on Meet the Press yesterday about Joe Biden's accomplishments. Joe Biden will be giving a State of the Union address tomorrow night. Here's what Pete Buttigieg said, our our transportation secretary. Quote, there have been so many accomplishments under this administration, it can be difficult to list them in a distilled way. Close quote. It's kind of like when someone says Republicans are racists and you ask for an example and they say, oh, come on, everywhere, all the time, and yet can provide no specifics. It's so obvious it's unseeable or unidentifiable. Meantime, Thomas Kentonachi writes, President Biden has faced a series of domestic and foreign policy crises since he declared the State of the Union to be strong during his most recent address to Congress 11 months ago. We are stronger today than we were a year ago, Biden concluded in his first State of the Union address last year. And he said we will not be we excuse me. He said we will be stronger a year from now than we are today. Close quote. Are we? Were we stronger two years ago than we were the year before that? And are we stronger now than we were a year ago? Since President Biden's remarks, the nation has struggled to suppress the growing illegal immigrant surge at the U.S.-Mexico border. Gasoline prices hit an all-time record and inflation reached a 40-year high. Continuing supply chain issues led to a nationwide shortage of baby formula and tampons. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has escalated with no end in sight as Biden has faced pressure over his mishandling of classified documents when he served as vice president and senator. Aside from showing China and the world they can invade our airspace for a week and only suffer consequences when there is no risk to human life from our enemy, namely over the ocean, the president has also been heavily criticized for a scandal revolving these documents from his tenure in the Obama administration. Over the course of the last several weeks, multiple batches of classified documents, some of which were marked top secret, have been found at various locations belonging to Biden, including the University of Pennsylvania and the garage in his Wilmington, Delaware residence, as well as at his vacation home. And we have no idea how many, keep in mind. We are told items We don't know if the items are pieces of paper or boxes of reams of paper. No photographs splayed out on the floor to embarrass Biden, as the FBI did with Donald Trump. In addition, the border crisis over the last year has sparked calls for Biden to take more aggressive action on immigration. And some Republicans have supported moving forward with a resolution to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. According to Customs and Border Patrol or Border Protection, migrant encounters in December surpassed 250,000 people for the first time on record. In addition, about 300,000 illegal immigrants evaded border agents in less than four months compared to the 600,000 reported last year. And border encounters have already hit a record high for fiscal year 2023. The Biden administration has also grappled with chaos on parents across the country struggling to find the formula and other goods for their children. We mentioned inflation, key concern of Americans since Biden's last State of the Union in June, just months after his address, 
Inflation surged 9.1%, the fastest uptick of its kind since 1981. Rising consumer prices have impacted nearly every aspect of Americans' lives, from energy and food to shelter, apparel, everyday goods. While inflation has fallen below 7%, it remains far higher than government targets, and the Federal Reserve has continued tightening interest rates, which will have negative reverberations throughout the economy. Energy prices, like heating and gasoline costs, have particularly put strain on American families. Gas prices increased over $5 a gallon in mid-June, hitting their highest level ever recorded before falling a little bit, but currently remain 46% higher than when Joe Biden took office. Yes, he got them down and can take credit for it, but he got them down after getting them up, and he hasn't gotten them down to levels below that when he came in to office. And, of course, we have seen a rise in illegal and dangerous drug use and deaths. In fact, we've reached a 40-year all-time record of use and death from dangerous drugs. It will be interesting to see what Joe Biden tells us in his State of the Union address tomorrow. But this record, with this record, not to mention falling and failing education scores and life ex- expectancy, I'm sorry to report the State of the Union is just not good. Many of you know I've pushed back against the notion that we are a sick or we were a sick society, a sick country, as that was a notion the left was foisting on us, especially throughout 2020, a notion the left was foisting on us in 1968 as well. Well, we were not a sick society then in either of those years. We may very well be now. I don't delight or revel in saying this. I wish it were not true, but I think we do no favors in repressing the truth that is all around us. I guess this hasn't stopped either, speaking of sicknesses. A read this morning in our newspaper informs me that our Super Bowl will feature two national anthems. The one we have all known for years, the Star-Spangled Banner, and the Black National Anthem. Can someone please explain how we can have a national anthem if we are singing Different ones, two different ones, one evidently for whites and one evidently for blacks. Truly, in what sense is it national or an anthem if we have two for two different peoples in the same country? Isn't that the near definition of a house divided and not one nation under God or anything else? And did we not learn that houses divided against themselves cannot stand? Is one group supposed to stand while the other sits or vice versa? Are non-black people not to sing or stand for the black anthem? Are black people not to sing or stand for the star-spangled banner? Are we telling them this isn't their country, this isn't their song? Does this mean that where once we lauded the notion of e pluribus unum, just about the only Latin expression every American knew, we are taught to despise the notion of our nation as being one now? Are we just going to go through these exquisite rituals as if they are of essential meaning or meaninglessness? as if they mean something to some and don't mean anything to others? This polarity can can abide only if the United Nation is itself essentially meaningless, and if race is in fact pregnant with meanings tied to citizenship, which is not supposed to be the way it is. Forgive me my idea that we are all equally Americans regardless of our race, as we are all equally human beings regardless of our race. Wasn't that the point? And the struggle? But, but people wonder why we are divided, 
or if we are in any form of nascent ideological, even kinetic civil war right now. This is a part and parcel of our present ailment, or calling it what it is, sickness. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Happy Monday. Yes, happy February. There you go. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. I'd like to talk a little bit about the Chinese balloon, and I have about four, five, six, seven observations that I haven't heard anybody talk about. I do understand that we're getting a little bit of balloon fatigue here, so I'll try and make it quick. I got a question here. Back during the Reagan administration, we had this uh, open skies thing. I think we signed it with the Soviet Union about SALT, about overflying each other's country to verify their compliance with the SALT agreements. Now, my question is, was that just with Russia or was that with all countries? And that's that. And uh, the next one, question observation I have, uh, several years ago, I think it was during the Obama administration, we had a surveillance aircraft flying off the coast of China, and they sent up some jet interceptors, and one of them got in front of the prop, and uh, it got sucked into the prop and uh, almost caused the airplane to crash, and it had to make an emergency landing at Hunan Island, and the uh, Chinese disassembled the whole aircraft. And to the best of my knowledge, I think it's what they call it's a chain shot uh, specific type of... Was that Obama or Bush? I'm trying to remember, because there was also a plane uh, in, like, uh, George W. Bush's first couple months of office that the Chinese took, too, wasn't there? Yes, there was. There was a couple of them right along okay. in there. But okay. This this specific one, it's like a, a, back during the Cold War, we had these aircraft in the Atlantic and the Pacific P-3 Orions. And then as the, uh, you know, technology advanced so we didn't have to drop sauna buoys on the, to track the Soviet submarines, and I'm familiar with them in the Pacific, but they took some of these, uh, very few of them, and it's uh, almost a secret project and the aircraft is called a chain shot you'll be hard pressed to find any information about that at all uh, the one observation is you know the chinese want to boohoo about this balloon or whatever they want to say we'll just say this is a down payment for all the fentanyl deaths that they've caused um I, I heard an expression this weekend. There were a lot of people that said something about secret briefings. And I have to say, well, who are you keeping it from? Who are you keeping it from? Yeah. And, you know, the Chinese already know what it's about, and they know what was on all of, what was on the air, aircraft, the dirigible. Or, so, you know, when the Biden administration talks about transparency, you know, why don't we have transparency? Yeah, yeah. it's transparent to our enemies. It's just not transparent to the American people. Fair point. Exactly. And then we had, well, as an example, back when uh, the U-2 with uh, Gary Francis Gary Powers, Powers got yeah. shot down, right. the uh, Soviet Union publicly displayed the uh, oh. U-2 wreckage That's right. there. That's right. And uh, one other thing, it's... Uh, 
in intelligence, it's a distraction. Maybe it's called a dangle. It's one of these, hey, look over here. This is what we want to talk right. about. And I'm kind of wondering what they want us to talk about. I noticed. That, well, they uh, tried the Trump, you know, the, the, the three balloons under Trump. That was their first shiny object until that fell apart. Right. And then we also have the Garcia Luna trial going on over in New York with yep. the corruption of the Mexican yep. government. And uh, lastly, uh, back, I know it started out at least in the ni- late 1950s with Sputnik and the Soviet Union and the Americans in space and flying over and taking pictures of other countries and dropping them on little um, pods that would fall out and then they would re enter on. Uh, on a parachute and in hawaii at hickam air base i know that because i saw the aircraft so this is not some conspiracy thing. the uh, name of this squadron was called to catch a falling star oh, if that? you ever saw them the movie uh john wayne green berets when they uh, snatched that one uh North Vietnamese general, and they inflated that big balloon, and that C-130 came along and snagged the dude and picked him up. But we were doing the same things with the Soviets when they, when their satellite would drop a, a pod with the film or whatever it was in it, and it was floating on down on a parachute. Uh, we flew in with a C-130, a big four-engine uh, turboprop. It's kind of got these big scissors on the nose of the aircraft, and they would actually snag the payload of the Soviets, whatever they were dropping from outer space. So I'm kind of wondering if they still have those aircraft, and uh, so if they do, then why didn't they do whatever they needed to do and snag this thing on the way down? And uh, so uh, those are my observations. All right, well, let's uh, let's see if we can take some of it to Brandon Weikert. He's going to join us. Usually he joins us in the third hour. He'll join us in the top of the 4 o'clock, our second hour today. So hopefully we won't have to wait as long. Uh, Mike, uh, I appreciate that. I'll throw it to him. He's the expert. He's written, well, he wrote a book on China and he wrote a book on space. Well, what could be more helpful uh, than Brandon Weikert? Who could be more helpful than Brandon Weikert? So we'll check in with him. And uh, if you'll bear with me, I want to do our culture and economy update. And also, you know what? I think we ought to say a word or two about Ronald Reagan's birthday, too. Don't you think? I do. All right. Uh, I am Seth Liebson. Uh, we will go. Um, we'll hit our break. Gosh, that death toll. Awful. Awful in Turkey. Spread out around the region. I think 5,000 dead now. Awful. All right. I am Seth Liebson. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website if you want to get in touch with him. You can also hear him on his own radio show every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., the word on wealth. Uh, let's see, John. How are you? Fantastic, Seth. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Um not everyone is, and I don't mean it in an economic sense either necessarily, but there is this interesting story, and I think this is going to have uh, reverberations where it's going to get worse before it doesn't. Uh, households burn through what's left of their pandemic savings. Mm. looks like a study out of Goldman Sachs says Americans have spent down over a third of the extra savings they accumulated during the pandemic 
by the end of the year, they'll probably exhaust the rest of it, huh? Yeah, I think there was about $2.7 trillion yeah. in excess savings. Yeah. That, you know, we, we were talking about this over time, that, you know, the economy is having this, this hiccup, this challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet we said, but people uh, have saved money, mm-hmm. and we, we think that things uh, certainly aren't going to be as bad as they were in the past. However, um, I would say is, is that... Um, you know, I looked at another study here, which uh, we saw the jobs report that came out last week, yep. which was astoundingly better than what was expected. Right. Uh, and the thought is, is we had this uh, great resignation we talked about mm-hmm. over the past year mm-hmm. or so. Uh, and now it looks like uh, there's this undercurrent. There's yeah. this kind of uh, underground uh, of hiring that's been going on, apparently, uh, that no one knew about. Mm. Uh, as we've talked about the shortage of labor and how companies are suffering, yep. you know, we see these signs uh, up all the time, you know, hiring, hiring, hiring. Uh, and apparently those signs are working. People are uh, filling some of these jobs. And so what I'm thinking is, is it's very possible, Seth, that, yes, this uh, article you're referencing here uh, is true. People are going through their savings. They're starting to hit the realization that, wow, I, I've got to probably go back yeah. to work, yeah. you know. Um, and so we're seeing this this challenge that the Fed has. They want to see uh, higher unemployment, and yet we saw this great jobs report. Uh, so it's it's an interesting time right now. In that some we're areas, facing. it's still yeah. going to be a challenge, right? Uh, there's an attendant article in the Wall Street Journal that childcare hasn't recovered from COVID. So a lot of parents that do, particularly single parents that want to go back to work, just can't afford it. And, right, right, right and, right. and there is limited availability of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that, that's, that's something the wand hasn't passed over yet. No. So um, you're, you're right. And so I, I just am interested to, to kind of see how this plays out yeah, over yeah, the next quarter, yeah. over the next two quarters, uh, to see where we eventually end up here. But um, I'm, I'm kind of excited. And plus we've got now what? Super Bowl coming this weekend here in town. Yeah. You, are you going to the Super Bowl, Seth? <laughs> I'm not telling anyone what I'm doing this I mean, weekend. <laughs> all these, all these, all these people with uh, this excess money that they've saved up, maybe they could some uh, didn't. buy some tickets you know, to the Super Bowl. But some didn't. Uh, there was this uh, YOLO. This you only live once with a lot of the COVID funds too, where mm-hmm. companies. Uh, you know, like uh, Cartier and Prada. You, if you went to the malls during during COVID when you could, it was interesting to see these huge lines of people that previously hadn't really gone to stores like that. A lot of right. them did evidently, you know, push their money out the door for that stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, I think, Indiscriminate excess. spending. There was a lot of excess. <laughs> yes. yes. A lot of excess. <laughs> a lot um, of excess. You know, people had a lot of time on their hands, yeah. Seth, and that was the challenge. And whenever we uh, have time on our hands, you know, we get antsy and we want to spend money or some people uh, maybe eat or, you know, all different things that we do to, to, um, to occupy our time. Uh, and uh, it's going to be certainly interesting to see it. But, you know, overall, if we look at where the economy is, uh, it seems to be the Fed, you know, Fed Chair Powell talked last week about uh, disinflation rather than inflation, so they believe their policies are working. However, when he got this jobs report, which happened afterwards, it was kind of, a, uh, you know, a, a different tune. And I think uh, tomorrow the Fed speaks again. We're going to hear what they have to say. Uh, they're still, you know, talking you know, strong, but uh, I think overall, uh, I'm hoping and looking for a softer recovery here, you know, rather than some type of a hard landing. 
So you want some Latin? Yeah. Fac et alquid operis ut semper de diabolus inventiant occupatum. Okay. Well, I, engage I, in occupation so that the devil, devil may always find you busy. Wow. <laughs> That's too deep. I can't think. I gotta, Idle hands I are the devil's workshop. That. How's that? I'll, I'll think about that. <laughs> Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Hey, we've got a workshop coming up at Grand Canyon oh, Planning. Go to our website, grandcanyonplanning.com, and let's uh, get you over here and so you can uh, take advantage of our workshop. Bless you, John. Thank All right. You. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Tippic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. See you tomorrow. We're doing a lot of vocabulary here, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, we are. You We're... got Mondegreen last time. That's... All right. We'll be right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Seth, we'll be right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Here to the Honorable Finds It's Due. It is uh, Ronald Reagan's birthday. Uh, he would have been, uh, let's see, born in uh, 1911. He would have been 112 today. There aren't many cabinet members of his, of his still around. Uh, one of the, I think still maybe the most famous, uh, Bill Bennett, my old boss, he wrote a tribute to him in Reader's Digest in 19. 19- 95, uh, just the first issue that would have come out after Ronald Reagan sent his open letter to the American people explaining that he would be uh, entering his sunset years with the disease of Alzheimer's. I thought I might read you what William Bennett wrote then. He wrote, Thank you, Ronald Reagan. It's that extraordinary letter in your own hand to let us know that you were falling victim to Alzheimer's disease. You spoke of other families suffering that, too. You worried about your wife? Then you chose these words to comfort the nation. Quote, I now begin the journey that will lead me into the sunset of my life. I know that for America, there will always be a bright dawn ahead. There you go again, I thought, showing us the way. You always had that capacity, not just because you're a natural leader, but because of your great personal strength. My mind went back to a day when we were all picking up our papers and leaving the table after a cabinet meeting. I literally bumped into you. Now, I'm a pretty big guy, but it was like bumping into a redwood. And it struck me at the time, that's you inside, and you're solid in your, and your solidity in your stance, as you are as solid in your beliefs. Your critics always said you were not a detail man. Thank you for that. What great leader is? There are plenty of people to handle the details. You know instinctively the president must above all lead. I'd been following your path for many years from the day you invited me to come to Washington to be director of the National Endowment for the Humanities. I crossed my fingers, picked up, and moved from North Carolina. It was a a chance, I thought, to help make a difference in the world. I never realized what a different world it would soon be. Soviet missiles were pointed then at America and Western Europe, and the Red Army was fighting in Afghanistan. The Kremlin dominated millions around the world, and many thought communism was unstoppable. But you proclaimed that, quote, no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and free women. You meant it. You identified publicly the evil empire, and in doing so, rearmed the Western alliance as a moral force. Experts thought you were rash, that your words were dangerous. But as one of those experts, Stephen Rosenfeld, would later concede, quote, in this lonely threshold strategic judgment, Ronald Reagan was proved right, close quote. 
you rebuilt America's military and sent Pershing missiles to Western Europe to counter a Soviet missile buildup. You supported Afghan freedom fighters, making the Soviets pay dearly for their invasion. You strengthened the voice of America, Radio Free Europe, Radio Free Liberty. From Ukraine to China, people turned on their shortwave radios and heard the truth about democracy and free markets. And in the most daring decision of all, you announced that we would begin developing a defense against nuclear missiles. You dismissed the long-accepted policy of mutually assured Sure destruction, which depended on the threat of massive nuclear retaliation to prevent war. It's like two cowboys in a frontier saloon, you pointed out, aiming their guns at each other's heads permanently. The Strategic Defense Initiative was an act of faith and the innovative genius that freedom fosters, and with it, you quite literally scared the hell out of the Kremlin. SDI met vicious opposition. A campaign against Star Wars was drummed up. But at the summit in Reykjavik, Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev insisted he would not make any concessions on strategic armed cuts unless you gave up SDI testing. Your reaction was pure American. This meeting is over, you said to your Secretary of State, George George Shultz. The diplomats wrung their hands. They didn't know that in that moment you had largely won the Cold War. Back in Moscow, the generals, the Politburo members, the apparatchiks knew they could not win a tactical race with America, build up their conventional military forces, and provide for their people at the same time. The Soviets simply could not compete with SDI. They could not keep up. You knew it, and Gorbachev knew it too. The Soviet facade began to crack, and in a desperate attempt to keep the Communist Party in control, Gorbachev began some reforms. But if he's really a reformer, you reasoned, why doesn't he dismantle the Berlin Wall? You decided to pose the challenge in a speech in West Berlin. Don't rock the boat, the State Department advised. Don't make the Soviets mad, your own advisors agreed. You ignored them and wrote about that wall in your speech. They took it out. You put it back in. Air Force One was on its way to West Berlin when the National Security Council gave you a final version, again sanitizing the part about the wall being torn down. You pursed your lips in that familiar way, cocked your head and said, well, I think I'll stick to the original. The next afternoon, you stood at the Brandenburg Gate, looked toward East Germany and demanded Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. Then you publicly predicted that this wall will fall. It did, taking down Soviet communism with it. Within four years, you were walking through the streets of Moscow as crowds of people chanted USA, USA, and elbowed for a sight of you. At the opening of your presidential library, you said, quote, I have seen the world turned upside down with conventional, with, con- with conventional wisdom utterly disproved. Indeed, it was your broad shoulders which helped turn that world. Thank you, too, for believing in us. And came to the White House, we were shrinking in a sea of high taxes, high interest rates, and low morale. Politicians and pundits alike told us that we had to resign ourselves to a new era of limits. You were undaunted, with another faith that government was the problem, not the solution, and a firm grasp of the only economics lesson worth learning that free enterprise works, you released our creative energies and entrepreneurial spirit. You cut the highest income tax rate from 70% to 33% energized investment by cutting the capital gains tax and brought tax relief to every income group. Result, the longest peacetime rise in prosperity in the nation's history. 
During your presidency, interest rates dropped sharply and inflation was slashed to less than 3%. 20 million new jobs were created, most of them in the higher-skilled, higher-tech, higher-paying areas. The average American family had thousands of dollars more a year to spend on their own needs instead of feeding the IRS. Thank you also for creating for us an ideal of the way the presidency should be carried. Your manners sprang from the fact that even though you were president, you were always yourself. You never had to prove anything. I'll never forget the day you phoned me when I was Secretary of Education. The call came in out of the blue. Hello, Bill, came your familiar voice. Did I know a certain poem that paid tribute to teachers, you asked? No, Mr. President, I confessed. Well, let me get it to you, he an- you answered. I thought you'd get some aid to look it up, copy it, and fax it to my office, but no, you wrote it out longhand from memory and sent it over as if you were a neighbor eager to share something. Congressman Dana Rohrbacher remembered a moment when he was a young campaign staffer back in California. You were given a whistle-stop speech, and there was a small group of blind children in the crowd. Their teacher asked if you could greet them. Sure, you agreed, but not with the photographers or reporters around. After the press had left, Warbacher saw you go to the children and shake their hands. Then they knelt so they could see you by touching your face as they were blind. What politician can you think of who would not have given a million dollars to have the press get pictures of him in a scene like that? Not you. Finally, Mr. President, thank you for being there when the nation needed your hope, your courage, and sometimes just your reassurance. When the Challenger astronauts died before our very eyes, you put a comforting hand on the shoulders and spoke so simply. You said, I know it's hard to understand that sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave, you said. In your farewell letter to us, you reminded us again of the bonds of faith, courage, and affection that unite us with you. When the Lord calls me home, you wrote, I will leave with the greatest love for this country of ours and eternal optimism for its future. Thank you, Mr. President, and to which we will say happy birthday. If some of you uh, have some investment money you're looking to invest with a high fixed rate of return that isn't tied to the stock market, our friends at Y Refi would love for you to give them a call. They'll put you in touch with other happy customers of theirs in the Phoenix area who have done very well with them. Think about your IRA. Would you like it to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax deferred? Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. Bill Bennett and Ronald Reagan had a great relationship. When he was Secretary of Education, he was giving a press conference on memorization And he threw something sort of a surprise to Reagan's staff, to Ronald Reagan. We captured the audio here from C-SPAN where uh, Reagan proved to his staff they don't need to worry about him. Bill knew he knew this poem. Mr. President, I was uh, telling the audience before you came that uh, memorization uh, figures in this book fairly prominently. And I am told that you're the world champion memorizer. 
Do you recall something that starts, there are strange things done in the midnight sun? By the men who moil for gold. <laughs> the Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. <laughs> I give up. I don't know whether in school they still read Robert W. Service, but to just conclude that particular stanza, it would then be, there are strange things. No, I've, we've done that. All right. The Northern Lights. Yes. The Northern Lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night in the marge of Lake LaBarge. I cremated Sam McGee. <laughs> he did it. He knew it. He even knew it was Robert Service. I think Johnny Cash has a song about that. Maybe we'll play it later. Uh, we got to go. Brandon Weikert coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.